This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. This episode is sponsored by The Alcohol Experiment, a free 30-day challenge designed to interrupt your patterns, give you control, restore your health, and put you back in touch with the version of you who doesn't need alcohol to cope, relax, or enjoy life. More than 220,000 people have already tried The Alcohol Experiment for themselves and have seen improved sleep, increased happiness, reduced anxiety, and so much more. Join thousands in this inspiring, hopeful, and exciting program where you examine your beliefs and reconnect with the best version of you without ever feeling like you're missing out. Start today for free at alcoholexperiment.com. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and this is This Naked Mind Podcast. I'm here with Christian. Welcome, Christian. How are you? I'm great, Annie. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. So awesome. Why don't you dig in and sort of tell me your story? Where did it all begin for you? I grew up in Australia and uh yeah, I guess there's quite a big culture in drinking in Australia, uh, but it was it, it was just a normal thing, right? So many of us, and it's in the family, and you know, parents drink and socials. You see it, and you know, I guess for me, it started young. I'd go to parties. I had a sister that was four years older than me, and I'd like to hang around with some of those kids, and that kind of led from there. But it wasn't. I was still very much into sports, so I had this kind of you know, pushing really hard in rugby league versus, you know, going out and, and doing those things. But I was also the youth against establishment type and um, wanted to uh, get away with as much as I could. And as I, you know, further into teens and early adulthood, you know, I, I did everything, you know, worked hard, partied hard. Um, and, you know, I got into a snowboarding career and, you know, that was also very much down the drinking pathway at that time it's very different to today's professionals um and even in you know moving from there into the endurance sports culture um you know we train hard and stuff but there's still a lot of drinking around in that so yeah grew up with it all and never really thought and i I don't know if i'd ever say that it was a massive problem but there were things you know that weren't always good that we all had, you know, how many days are wasted from hangovers, how many, you know, all, all the negative stuff. But in, um, what am I, 44 now when I was, you know, 30, what was it, 36, 37, I got diagnosed with celiac. Mm. So, you know, I, I, I liked my craft beers and stuff back then. And, um, but that all went off the table. So, you know, the first thing is you find a gluten-free beer. Uh, <laughs> back then and they were fine I always liked wine and everything like that but it didn't really you know I didn't start questioning things until a friend of mine that's a you know very good uh, strength and conditioning and uh, coach and personal trainer in Australia he, he wrote pretty harshly about alcohol and always did and you know I always have justifications why yeah yeah I kind of agree with some of you but not all of it and um, then it went down to that just questioning more and more things until and seeing, seeing some negative aspects of it in myself and, and going, you know, questioning and questioning a bit more until I decided, you know, maybe I will take a, take a break. 
and I don't think, you know, everyone likes to say oh, I'm a moderate drinker and, you know, what is moderate, you know, in today's age, yeah, we could call moderate probably alcoholism. Um, and I wouldn't, you know, I didn't go out and let me tell you, I had my fair share of parties and waking up hungover or, you know, not remembering things, but, um, you know, in the last so many years, it was never like that. It was more like, Hey, I'll have a few drinks and, whatever but then you know you have that and you're like oh was I an ass at that dinner or you know did I not come across correctly or um you know regrets yeah I would say so um yeah well first of all your comment about moderate you know drinking it's 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 fascinating so we've lived for so long under this dichotomy of like okay there's problem drinkers or alcoholics and then there's all the rest of us right like the whole and like this is this tiny little slice of people and only real recently i actually had um an experience that was pretty cool recently to be on a on a show with a doctor and she was talking about alcohol use disorder and how the whole medical and scientific community has moved away from this idea of there's a fraction of people who are alcoholics and then all the rest are just fine and she's like now we use alcohol use disorder which is really this spectrum and it's 11 questions and two of those questions to your point are do you now drink more than you used to for the same effect which is everybody i know and do you ever have times where you regret drinking as much as you did which is again everybody I know. So even if we're like, I don't know a single person, even the lightest drinking people I know who cannot answer yes to those two questions. And, and according to those two questions, just answering two affirmative questions in that, that list means you have mild alcohol use disorder. So I think you're, you're totally right. Like this idea of, you know, I don't know, I just drink on occasion or, or whatever. I mean, that's fine. Everybody can do what they want to do, but it is, it is interesting how much we use it as sort of a, a defense, right? Well, I think, yeah, it is a defense because you're right. We look at it and go, well, people that have, you know, alcoholism, they're on a 12-step program. That's not me. You know, I'm not, that's not me. I drink enough, but I don't have a problem. And it's very easy to justify or convince ourselves that there's, there's no problem. But even for myself, it was like, well, I would only drink, you know, one or two beers, you know, have a glass of wine or whatever. There was a few times where I'd go a couple more than that, but you know, that after that second one, it just wasn't, wasn't the same, but then still having, you know, waking up the next day, not feeling great. And that for me being into, you know, fitness and doing the adventures I like to do just was like, you're losing so much. And there, there's other things that we can get into, but yeah, it's like, we have this idea that, Hey, that's not me. This is me. And drinking a few beers a night, most nights of the week is, is fine. Yeah. So when you say you got into, and, and this is just like, just pure curiosity. My mom actually lives in Australia half the year and she's an avid skier, but she lives in Colorado half the year. And so from what I understand, there's not a lot of snowboarding in Australia. So how did you get into snowboarding? <laughs> uh, oh, there, there is, it's, um, you've got the Australian mountains. Um, <laughs> not like I live in Whistler, Canada now, so really true mountains. Um, just like okay, but you can actually properly snowboard. You can properly snowboard. So, you know, I was coming from a, you know, very focused, wanted to be a rugby league player um and you know politics and all this stuff got involved and i was so over over there and as much as i love being a team player and love being in a team i was just so sick of 
stuff being so far out of your control and you know I always like skateboarding and stuff like that and my stepbrother and I saw a video of snowboarding and I was like we've got to do that and there was a local snowboard shop and we got some information and then went down um, you know five hours south of Sydney and went snowboarding for the first time and it was like I'm never missing a season of this and that kind of morphed into going down there and then going on a trip over here I think I went here when I was 17 the first time and I went on a trip for two weeks. This is, this is interesting on the drinking side of things. I went on a trip for two weeks to Whistler. I was, uh, I was eight, must've been 18 then. Um, or just 18. And so you could drink in Australia, even though I'd doctored my license prior to then to be able to get into bars into in Australia in BC in British Columbia, it's 19 as a legal drinking age. So I was here on a trip with the owner of a snowboard shop and I think the next youngest person was 35. So, you know, every day finished at the bar and I'm like, well, how do I, how do I do this? So I went into a local and back then our licenses were like go-kart licenses. It was a laminated bit of paper, I guess. And with some help from the local snowboard store and young kids in there, we got an exacto knife and cut some numbers and turn them around and, re-laminated and there I got into the bars and um, it was able to drink so and that you know the Australian snow led to and then coming here I was like I've got to come and then that led to back-to-back winters from you know for the next seven eight years um, between going to you know Australian resorts or New Zealand resorts and then being in Canada Colorado for a season but yeah that's funny I I had a um so I worked at a photography shop in Aspen and uh the woman who worked next to me she was older than me I think I was 17 or something and she was older than me and and she's like hey we should go out to the bars or whatever so we since we were at the photoshop we could like make photographic copies of the licenses and of course it this was like in the I guess it would have been early 90s probably and so it was like they were you know, not, there weren't all the holograms in it and all that sorts of stuff. So we just literally made a photographic copy of her license and I'd put it on the top of my license and then we could go out to the bar and then it would be fine. Except that one time I got um, pulled over and just for something silly, not for drinking, but just for something silly. And I went to give him my license and he, and the cop saw that there was two IDs in my wallet. And he's like, what's that other ID? And I was like, oh, oh man. And, and he's like, give it to me. And I just gave it to him. He just took it. He didn't say anything, but he just was like, I'm just going to keep this one. And I was like, oh shoot. But luckily I didn't get in trouble, but it was really, yeah. yeah the way it's very hard to doctor a license these days. <laughs> yeah, I know. And now everything's on social media too. So it's like yeah. a totally different world, right? That that people are living in because I'm so glad we have, um, you know, young nieces and I'm like, wow, if my entire life at that age was on social media, then that wouldn't have been very much fun. You know, I'm very, I'm very happy that, uh, my youth wasn't on social media. (laughs) So, all right. So you're, you're going back and forth, you're snowboarding, um, you're doing all of this, this sort of cool stuff. And when was, was kind of the moment that you're like, you started to think like, huh, I don't know if drinking is all like, this might be a problem or this might be an issue. Literally not until last year. Okay. Um, and, you know, oh, it would ebb and flow. Like we, we got out of snowboard, finished snowboarding up in 2002. And then we fell into endurance sports and Ironman triathlon and 
my wife got very good very quickly and ended up going professional. And there was a big time of there where we were very focused on, and there's still very much the drinking culture. Uh, we trained together and did that. So we'd have drinks, but we'd ha- we wouldn't drink that much. And I can say, you know, <laughs> head of a heart, we're one of those people that didn't drink that much then. And it would be lucky sometimes if it was a drink a week or whatever, but, you know, because we were so focused on the sport and everything like that, but that kind of ebbed and flow. And, you know, you'd have times of drinking more, um i remember when she won her first iron man outright as a professional she drank so many drinks really quickly because she had to get up on stage and do a speech so she used that as a i'm so freaked out she's an introvert um and that was really difficult for her so her way of coping with that was to but you know we met actually in um lake in banff in canada uh, even though she's english um and uh her and her friend could also drink very, very well back then growing up in England um, and their university culture as well. But, you know, we kind of just fell out of that and then, you know, gradually morphed back into it. She's always had a, you know, I could take it or leave it attitude with alcohol where I was a little bit more, I'd go out and have a drink with friends or, you know, we'd whatever, it'd be more like that. And it wasn't only, it was like kind of post-celiac or things coming up and down and then, you know, coming here and being in, I started a run group and we have a triathlon group and we have all these things and socials and our run group that we started. Um, we would run Tuesday nights and finish so many of them with a social uh, and we'd get, you know, pubs or, you know, microbreweries on, on board and they'd give a free beer or whatever. And it was great. Um, but sometimes it would go more than that. And it was really, um, so not last year, kind of the year that's, gone 2019 was when I was probably really thinking about it um and it was more and more and just going hey I don't feel so good like I'm just even as if it's one beer I wake up and I feel like crap and so I'd have these questions but I'd also be like but I really like it yeah and it wasn't really until we went to um we've got a 10 year old now that's big into mountain biking and we went down in 2019 in October down to uh Virgin Utah to watch Red Bull Rampage which is like extreme skiing but biking um and you know we have red bull joyride here which is more the you know freestyle jump stuff where this is big mountain freestyle stuff in in virgin and it was an amazing road trip and it was on that road trip where you know i was thinking about it i bought a six pack of beer before i left and came back with two or three still there and it was on that trip where i had three separate glasses of red wine and I really liked my red wine um you know my dad was a massive fan always had a big cellar full of good wine and um and I and I enjoyed it but there was you know I had the first I had one glass and I was like this tastes horrible it's like toxic and I said to my wife is this, this tastes awful you know it's a good bottle and she's like no it tastes great and I'm like it just doesn't taste right to me so didn't have it and I'd feel crappy after it. And that happened two more times. And I was like, that's it. I'm going to go. That was, you know, October. And I'm like, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to Christmas um, and see how I go. Um, the hard thing with going through the Christmas was all the major socials we had with the run group leading up to Christmas um, or what I perceived would potentially be hard, but I'd made that decision. And I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll be fine with it. And um, I learned very quickly that I could, go through a social would have no problem um you know i know so many people get stuck with oh my friends are going to bully me and this and that i found none of that i was just like hey i'm just not doing it the funny thing is 
you know, so many people do the dry July or whatever you call it, or, and I've never been able to go 30 days in my life without it'd be like, yeah, yeah, what's the point? I feel like a beer. It's a nice sunny day. I've had a good bike ride or whatever. Um, and I just went, didn't have to remove it from the house either. Um, it was there. I think we even still have some in the fridge. I think a friend drank the other day, but the, um, yeah, we've still got wine sitting on our, you know, on a shelf and, but I didn't, and it just went and it went to December and I was like, it was okay. Well, kind of got to December. I'm going to, you know, I, f- I feel okay. I feel there's, and we can get into some of the benefits that I saw because a lot of people are like, oh, what's the changes? What's the changes? And I'm like, oh, there wasn't that many, to be honest. Um, but I think there's, you know, so many stresses in life that it can mask so many different things. And I was like, well, I've got a 100K run race in California in April. So why don't I, why don't I try and I'll go, just go to April and, you know, then I'll see where I'll go. Well, COVID happened and the April race didn't happen. And lo and behold, here we are in 2021 and still haven't had a drink. Wow, that's so awesome. That's amazing. So, yeah, what, um, what are some of the benefits you, you feel in your own mind? I think for me, you know, I like to do something activity-wise every single day. So waking up and not wasting a day or, um, you know, having, you know, we have a young kid that's active and likes to do things and I want to do things or get up early to do, do stuff. So, you know, just waking up, not feeling great is not awesome. And, and I can have that enough anyway, being a celiac, like if I got cross-contaminated or something's, something's wrong, you can, you know, you can wake up feeling like crap or, you know, have that. And I, you know, just kind of sick of that. So that was, you know, having that was great because you you have more time to play really rather than being, you know, I don't, you know, you can't be a parent, I don't believe, or a good parent and be stuck in bed with a hangover. It's just, yeah. just doesn't, doesn't really work or for the things that you do. Um, but for me, I've struggled with sleeping for a very long time and um, the biggest change and the best change is that, I don't beat myself up for decisions I made 20 years ago. Mm. Like why the hell does that pop up in your mind? (laughs) You can't get the, like you might be reading a book and doing the nodding donkey and falling asleep and being like, okay, I'm ready to sleep or you've slept and then woken up and you still got the book in your hands and then you put that down. And then all of a sudden mind goes bing. Oh, let's, let's make, let's have a thought about that decision you made or that argument or this or that um, all those years ago. And that kind of disappeared. And it's fantastic. That's like life-changing that to not, you know, you know, physically, we are very hard on ourselves, but to, you know, emotionally beat ourselves up every night on stuff that's so far in the past yeah. is, is a very big waste of energy and it stops you sleeping. So that was one of the best, you know, probably the best. Uh, recovery is obviously quicker. You know the science and you're into sports like I am and I coach endurance sports recovery is is hindered with alcohol um so um and one of the best things like still i didn't even know today if i'll have another drink or not like i never put a and i'm not like hey you must not drink or whatever it's up to your own decision and stuff like that and i you know i i, I still don't know i did a hey we've got some two doors up our neighbors own a brewery here uh, they're awesome people they have a great brewery um i re-spray painted a bike for their daughter and uh they just gave me a big flat of beer um one of the local bike 
places here has bike wraps that you protect your bike with um and they did a collaboration so they're called you know wrap before your ride and they got now beer after your ride and it comes with a top tube wrap around anyway they gave me a flat of beer even though they don't know i don't drink so i've just been passing that off to friends um as you know as, as a giveaway because i'm not going to try and stop my friends if they want to i will give them crap if i see it <laughs> you know affecting them negatively i'm like well maybe think about this why don't you try this instead you know instead of you know whinging the whole time that something's a problem you know try and try and fix it but yeah i'm not um yeah i'm not going to there and be like hey i've done it so you must do it and it's going to be better for the world and it would be better i think it's kind of crazy that it's probably the harshest drug in the world but we focus on the war on something else which makes it worse but you know alcohol is just one of those things that's that's allowed yeah yeah it's, it's a tough so, one so i am curious like in your own words what do you think it was that it went from kind of not even making it 30 days to kind of making it then like yeah i don't even know if i'll drink again maybe i will maybe i won't it's just kind of irrelevant I, I think it was it was a couple things so here on one hand i got a a guy that you know is very smart um that I've coached before and he's coached me and then I'd call a friend. Um, don't always agree with the stuff, but you know, it, it was like just the constant, you know, I'd read stuff and I'd just put this little, you know, just a little pin mark in your mind. And then actually one of my best friends in Australia who I grew up, you know, in our late teenage years and early adult years. And we did a lot of partying together. Like we could come over to my place and we'd drink, you know, a case of throw down, throw down beers, which is a small, smaller beer, um, and then go skateboarding and think nothing of it. And, you know, he spent a lot of time over in Canada with us and, you know, so many trips and, and, you know, he's also a personal trainer and he was the one that, you know, he, you know, how he, I think he wrote a post on something. So how are you feeling Monday morning? You know, you've done all this work all week and then you've just gone and done all, undone all that good work from a couple of big nights. And now you feel like crap. Um, so how's that working for you? And he was talking about, you know, that how he changed his relationship um, to a take it or leave it um, based on your book. Um, and that's where I saw it. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I guess I went into, I'd already started making this decision um, that I wasn't going to do it. And then in that time where I'm like, I'm going to go to Christmas, I read your book. Um, and that was just kind of like, just destroying all the assumptions and myths and things we held on to dearly to yeah. keep its clawsiness. Um, and then it was just like, well, okay, there's no point. And, and the more you make, and I always say this to athletes, it's like, hey, we can, we make decisions all the time, but intentions and decisions are nothing unless there's action, unless we're doing the doing part. Uh, so you can make a decision, but it's useless unless there's actually you, you make the committed decision and you act. So the act is in this case, not doing, it's not opening the beer or it's not. And for some people, they may need to remove themselves completely from that. So if you had to remove yourself completely from a friend group for a period of time or going to the bar, cause you can't help yourself or from doing that for me, I kind of like a challenge. And I didn't look at it as like I was depriving myself because the moment I think you look at it as depriving yourself, 
you set yourself up to fail. I was just like, what, what is the potential benefit of this? Is life going to get better? Is this going to be, you know, am I going to not beat myself up? Am I not going to be so angry? Am I not going to be, you know, am I going to recover, you know, waking up the next morning, feeling great. Awesome. I can win the day instead of being like, Ugh. so I don't, you know, for me, it was like, Hey, I like to things pop up. And if I see them multiple times, I'm like, ha, huh, okay. I've got to, got to, got to, you know, got to look down that path a little bit more. It's a little bit different to me. Hey, I want something. And then I'm going to see it all the time because it's just, you know, confirmational bias of me wanting the thing. But this other way, it's like, oh, this is here. I see this here. I see that there. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. And it was funny. It was like what went from, you know, and it was the challenge. How is it going to be going through all these socials over Christmas, which is the drinking time? And it was like, fine. And then when COVID happened, it was like, thank God I'm not drinking. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it was like, oh, there's enough stress as it is, like to add more of stress and more things. You know, I don't think there were a lot of positives with, you know, COVID times and the alcohol use. So um, so for me, it was like, ah, oh, this is fine. And then it just kind of went on, went on. And I, I'm not a person, like I, don't, I know there's a lot of people and if that's what they need, they count how many days or some people, how many hours they've done since since they stopped drinking uh, for me it was like yeah cool i'm what, nearly 18 months now but it was like after the year i was like oh, whatever and then it's just like you know it seemed like those like because you focus on it and then you're like oh it takes so long to get there when i didn't even need to be focusing on it and now it's like oh there goes another six months it's yeah. it's, it's um and 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 i must say it is easier um because my wife always had, even though, you know, we drank a lot together and then did this and she's always had it now more of a take it or leave it. So when I stopped, she'd have, I think she had like, because she was doing a mountain bike mum's night, like she had one or two drinks and she never, you know, after our kid, she didn't drink much at all. And now I think next month is a year for her since she's had, since she's done it as well. Um, and again, like she's had so many ch- chances and so many like, oh, that would be nice. But it's like, well, once that moment passes, it passes and it's like no different. So, um, yeah. And, I, and again, I still don't know. You know. Will I have a beer again? I don't know. Right. But plenty of opportunities. Um, but what, you know, what was awesome actually was a couple, a few months ago, we, I went out with, um, went out couldn't really go out there's no out here um but we had actually booked a cabin um on a lake with a few few friends for a mate's 50th so he didn't know you know what was happening he knew we were going somewhere but you know we went to the, the gun range and shot some shotguns at clay pigeons and then we went there and i was the only sober one there so uh, drinking whiskey and wine and, and whatever so i cooked the dinner I did that. They, we played poker and everything like that. And I had fun. And to the point of, I was belly laughing and crying as the only sober person in there. And that was just like, ah, you know, okay. Solidified in my mind. You don't need it to have, you know, fun or be social or whatever. And I know exactly the conversations I had. I know I wasn't being an ass. Um, and I can sleep comfortably knowing that I wasn't an ass or, you know, made a fool of myself or whatever 
you know, under the, under the influence. So, yeah. And, and that to me is all positive. Yeah. Um, more so than, yeah, having a drink. So it's, uh, it, it was good. Yeah. I feel the same way. Like with, with the, the laughing, like it is, it took a little while, I'd say to sort of get that back. Um, and I'd say back from the back I got it back from was when I was like 10 or 12 or, you know, eight, when you were just kids and you just laugh uncontrollably to the point it would hurt. And there was a lot of laughing, drinking, but it wasn't, um, I don't know. It, it's just a different kind of laughing. It's, it's not like that like, edge of your like physical, can you even laugh any harder? Because you, you might have to, you know, walk out of the room or you're going to pee your pants or like, it was, I mean, the laughing that is consistently here um, post alcohol and it gets more and more. So I'd say every year that goes on is just the best. It really is like reigniting the child inside, you know? And I think there's, there's multiple things. I don't think it's just giving up alcohol. I think giving up alcohol is the thing that kind of allows you to then look very honestly at all the crap you've started to layer on and believe and tell yourself that isn't serving you anymore and all these stories you have that are stressful and like start to unwind all of that stuff and get really back in touch with with yourself as you were saying earlier on when you'd you know one of the best benefits you've experienced is that you lay awake at night and you no longer beat yourself up I mean that sort of work it's pretty easy to deal with the pain of consistently beating yourself up or having these really negative thought patterns or these awful stories that are keeping you really stuck if you're drinking because you can numb it away at least for a period of time. But when you're not drinking, you have to actually fix that stuff. You have to actually solve that stuff because it is too painful. And so the emotions, the painful emotions that, that arise after you put down the numbing agent are just all the guides and the signposts to say, hey, hey, you know, there's something here that needs addressed. There's something here that needs looked at. There's something here that needs worked through. And then I think the combination of those two things allow you to just live such a lighter life. Like life just doesn't feel so serious or so intense. It feels just, and then, and then on, on the back of that is just hilarity, you know, just really, really funny. My husband and I were doing like a a video workout this morning. It was high intensity interval training. And like, we had to do speed skaters in our basement. And so we just started looking at each other and I could not stop laughing. There was nothing funny. I mean, except that we're just like doing speed skaters in a basement on carpet. And that was kind of funny, but I don't even know what came over me. And I was just hysterical and it was hilarious. It was probably his hair, but. <laughs> well, it's interesting that like inhibitions drop and most people use that as an excuse to drink alcohol to have, you know, those inhibitions drop. But yeah, it's funny, like you, the mental side of things, like if I look back, I look at how did I destroy a snowboard career and it's because of the mental state of I suck rather than being, you know, and it was just, hey, had an injury, did this, do that. But then you start like, you know, you, and I've always, and I believe that like the, what you say to yourself is powerful. Um, and that was it. But, you know, looking at it, and you just speaking like that brought that up. It's like, okay, that, but where did that mindset come from? Like in that time, I know that I was living in Canada and these things were happening and I was drinking. Yeah. So, you know, you just adding fuel to that, that fire and that led away from, you know, that career path. Now, 
I'm not unhappy about that because I'm quite happy where, you know, we're full circle back in living in Whistler, Canada as permanent residents now and in a completely, yeah, I still, I hardly even snowboard anymore. I ski more. Um, but I have a, you know, we have a 10 year old that probably we wouldn't have had that been the other way around or, you know, or life would have been different and quite happy with, with where it's at, but it's good to now, I think if you unravel that and get a bit clearer and being out away from alcohol allows your mind to be clearer that you can start unraveling some of that stuff. Um, and, and it can bring up other questions and beliefs and stuff like that, which aren't necessarily comfortable, but it's a way forward to, to be better as a person and, and better and happier where you are. Um, so at, at this point, I don't, I haven't yet found a negative of not drinking. Yeah. And I, I love that you hold it so loosely. I do the same. I'm like, I drink whatever I want, whenever I want. It's just been almost seven years now since I wanted to drink. And I feel like holding it that loosely is important. Um, I think it gets less important for me as the years go on because I don't know, I just feel more, more sure that like, yeah, I don't even see why I would do that anymore, but, but I wouldn't like, just as a, just as a rule, I'm never going to sit here and say, I'm never going to have a drink again, because it, it like, it's just kind of counter to that feeling of freedom of saying like, I'm going to trust myself to do yeah. what's right for me, you know? And, and by the way, trusting myself after lots of work to learn how to trust myself, it wasn't like an instantaneous type deal. Um, but I did, I wanted to ask you specifically. So I've done, uh, I love, I love extreme sports as well. And I've done probably more of it, um, in before, you know, having kids then now, but like one of the things that I did that was really fun is a few years in a row, we would do a uh, sort of 180 mile relay run over four mountain passes. So it was from Idaho Springs in, in Colorado to Glenwood Springs in Colorado. And there was 10 of us and we just like hand off the baton, sleep under the vans type deal. It was just really, really fun. And I remember getting to the end of the run and I wasn't a big drinker at the time at all. Um, but I remember to getting to the end of the run and it was all of these beer tents. And I'm just like, was just like, huh, that's interesting. And somebody said, oh yeah, it's good for replenishing whatever the carbohydrates and stuff. And, and then, you know, I did a few marathons and sure enough at the end of every marathon, it was like, or half marathons, it was like beer tents. And I just wonder like, what is this and maybe it's just that alcohol is wrapped up in everything, but what is it with these super hyper endurance activities and alcohol? I, I, th I think it really, without going too molecular, like, you know, we're, we've been conditioned to that the two go hand in hand yep. and that you've had all this for most, some people when they say, Oh, this, I've been so disciplined. I've trained like this. I'm just letting my hair down yet. They drink every week anyway, but it doesn't, but you know, you have, and it gets to the finish is kind of this celebration and there's camaraderie and there's other people there. So, and the only way that we're being conditioned to have that camaraderie or whatever is to share a drink with someone. Um, and, you know, I, I don't negative, like it, is it the best for recovery? No, absolutely not. But really in the day to day, yes, you've just finished your big event. Is it going to put it back? Yes. It's going to put it back a bit. Uh, it's not the best thing, but I see, you know, what could, you know, argued positives but you know just that they get to let their hair down and you know it's a, it's usually for most people you don't really want to have that many drinks after you've done something like like that mm -hmm. uh it's maybe the next night after if there's awards or whatever else um 
good thing about most ultra races, the awards are the next day in the morning. So it's not, it's not, you know, in terms of ultra marathons, you know, Ironman, it's a totally different, different ball game, but yeah, it's, I, I think it all just comes down to the culture and what we're wrapped up in mm-hmm. and we haven't seen, haven't seen it another way. Yeah, um, yeah it, it's funny. Even me, someone who doesn't drink still was like, Oh, it'd be great that we finish these runs and, you know, support the local community and the beer. Like it's, yeah. it's like, I know, I know the negatives, but I don't want to be this martyr about it and be like, Hey, you must do this. Let's, you know, come to your own conclusion about that. And maybe if, if you're seeing that something's a problem, well, then you can speak up about it or someone can make it clearer to you. Um, but it, it's a tough one. I don't know how, you know, it's a systemic change, complete systemic change to change that and people's mindset surrounding it. Because again, it's, you know, the most addictive drug that I think we have, but it's so far embedded into society that it's okay. Even though you can just show the amount of negatives, but it's like water off a duck's back to people. Yeah. Won't happen to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just fascinating. And I, I think it's just so true. Um, and it, it's not just with that sort of sports stuff, it's everywhere, but it just really is wrapped up. And I think that's, what's so cool about people you know, like you sharing your story and just showing up in those places and being the one laughing the loudest is that we're all looking for another way with some part of ourselves. I think we're all like, huh, you know, I, like we said in the very beginning, I haven't met a person who hasn't questioned their drinking at one time or another. Um, and we just don't know there's another way. We think the two ways are I'm going to be, you know, not drinking or moderating and miserable and feeling deprived. And moderating is basically like just constantly being on an alcohol diet or I'm just going to do what I've always been doing because there isn't a third, a third way of actually um, feeling completely happy and at peace with it. So I really love that. Yeah. I, I think it's also different for like, you know, for me, again, I, I, I don't know what, why is it different, but why do some people struggle with like, it's either, you know, struggle with you know, people are always like, Oh, can you go cold Turkey? Well, of course you can. Mm-hmm. It comes down to a decision. I know there's some, as you mentioned at the start, like the unconscious conscious brain stuff, which is fascinating and people need to understand a little bit more how that works. Um, But again, it comes down to that, you know, making that committed decision and the actions and each action you make strengthens a bond. So either way, positively or negatively. So, you know, yeah, I can beat myself up more when I continue saying I'm going to do this and then I don't do it. So I, I keep making that unfortunate choice until, and then you have to explore that area of why maybe we do that, which is uncomfortable or you may need help. Um, you know, many of us find it very difficult to ask for help. Uh, for me, I never got to the point where I was like, oh, I have a massive drinking problem. I never believed that. Um, but I believe that was a problem. There were problems associated that, that was enough to elicit change or want to change. Cause I was like, oh, I don't, I don't like doing that. I don't like beating myself up. I don't like feeling crap the next morning, but it was more like, Hey, as it got less and less and the same reactions were happening, it was like, you know, Mm -hmm. one beer is not even enjoyable because I get this, this problem. And I think, you know, going back to your question, like when was it the time? If, if I'm honest, I think I let things slide before and it got bad before it went up so because i'd been like hey i'm celiac i can only do this and then someone's like oh well our beer we're not certified celiac 
but we use an enzyme and you can do that. Okay, great. Oh yeah, look, I didn't have any noticeable effects. Awesome. Oh, damn, I really, really, before celiac, loved an IPA. Eh, I'm just going to try it. And then all of a sudden you slide in this slippery slope of doing stuff that's A, it's alcohol, but B, it's also affecting me on a you know, gut level, which then affects everything. Mm-hmm. so it was like and then I, I need to stop doing that okay i'll go back to that and then i was just like hey i need to you know there's obvious change that needs to be made um and then just you know it wasn't it was weird because it was a committed decision but it wasn't like this hard and fast rule that i put to myself i was like i'm just gonna go there was no competition or no whatever it was just or no signing up for any any anything and i think actually when i was reading your book there's also that um social media and they have programs is it um one year no beer yeah so i was looking at that and i was like you know i nearly bought the program i'm like do i really need to spend that much money to not drink like it's kind of it's kind of crazy it was just seemed crazy to me that mm-hmm. hang on no i just need to not do it Right. And that was that. So, you know, there's all these little micro decisions along the way that allow me to keep going. But I, you know, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. Like this loose idea that I don't know if I will again or not is great. Cause I struggle with the idea of the 12 step program being that you are, you have a problem and you have that problem for the rest of your life. That's yeah, not, that's scary. putting a label on you. And it's like, defining you as this broken person that's not necessarily broken at all mm-hmm. um and I, I really struggle with that and people can say oh you're but you're not an addict and I'm, I'm like okay maybe not maybe didn't make that necessary definition of it but many things in this world are addictive and but if we label ourselves as that we're going to be stuck with that label and I think for you um I mentioned it's all about freedom is there any freedom when we have a label attached to ourselves? Yeah. Ever. Yeah. So it's an interesting one. Yeah. That's a very good question. I mean, I would become more and more anti-label the more, um, the more I move through life because I just feel like every label is just a chance for somebody to have preconceived notions rather than get to know me, you know? Um, or for me to have preconceived judgments of myself, which is fascinating. Um, so let me ask you the question that I sort of ask at the end of these things, which is if you were going to go back in time and, and talk to Christian uh, of, um, you know, just feeling like you're worried at night and regretful of things you did very, very long time ago and unable to sleep and and sort of tell him about what life is like now, what would you, what would you tell him? Well, I, I like to see what can I improve always, but you know, I look at it as like with, you know, being a parent to a 10 year old who, you know, is now not growing up in a family of drinking um, that doesn't see it as a normal everyday occurrence. And even he's down and he ask more, have you ever been drunk? Have you done this? Have you done that? And then, you know, worrying that I have a boy that, you know, at some stage is going to happen, but, you know, talking back to the old Christian and be going, well, the problem is that we can't change what happened yesterday. We can't even, you know, 
everyone's like, oh, but you can you can win tomorrow, and I you can only win tomorrow if you win today. Mm. So the only only time now, and if if I'm clear on today, you know, mentally and physically, then I can do the things that are important today that will make the future brighter. Um, and to to not have that worry which just sucks you of energy and doesn't make you feel good based on things that were done so many years ago is is kind of crazy it's the worst i don't know why we have that <laughs> in humanity it's horrible it keeps us stuck and um but also you know that in of itself even though that is the outcome in my mind of of alcohol is that it's very easy to use alcohol as an excuse to keep knowing you know dumbing it down so hey if i drink then i could sleep even though the sleep is not going to be great but then i don't have to deal with those demons but if you just spend the time to get rid of the thing keeping you awake or making those demons then you know it goes away so i don't know i think what i you know the the biggest part would be you're not missing out Mm -hmm. yeah well maybe you are missing out by drinking yeah yeah right what what, what, might you be missing out on yeah what you know we we need to play more and we can't do that when we're drunk or intoxicated or you know hung over so um, I think as adults, we need to play more. Like you mentioned that, you know, laughing at your morning session. Like we need to look at our kids and keep kids playing and, and play ourselves instead of life being so serious. It is, you know, serious, but it's also life. We've got to live it and enjoy it as well. Otherwise we're kind of not happy human beings and that doesn't, doesn't achieve anything. Yeah. I love that. It's so good. Oh, wow. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on to share your story. It's been really fun to get to know you and hear all of your adventures and everything. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And, you know, thank you uh, for writing the book and, you know, being transparent and raw and doing the research to uh, break down these myths. It's, uh, It's such a great, great book and so well done that you can't you can't fight it you can't unlearn <laughs> no, you can't see it differently. yeah i love that so much well it's, it's just so good well awesome christian we'll have a wonderful day you too thank you hey it's annie grace i want to tell you about the most important book that i never wrote and i mean that This is This Naked Life. It's 48 true stories of people finding freedom from alcohol, and it's so inspiring. It's our stories, as you know from this podcast, that truly change us, that revolutionize what we believe is possible for ourselves. So it's This Naked Life. You can find it on Amazon or check it out online. Even download it 100% free at nakedlifestories.com. And every single copy that you buy, all the proceeds are 100% committed to keeping the alcohol experiment forever free for anybody who needs it. So check it out. It's such an inspirational book. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.